Well, today we're going to go after something. Um, we're going to go after sickness, but not sickness in, in our physical bodies. We're actually going to go after the sickness in our hearts today. It's called sorrow. Um, listen, this weekend, uh, as much as I have been encouraged, um, I have been sobered. I've been sobered um, at, at the condition of the body of Christ um, over the last couple months, honestly, over the last year. Um, there's been a couple words that have been released in our house um, from some prophetic leaders uh, where God has said, I, I want to put my glory on you, but we have to peel, um, deal with the pain inside of you first, or my glory will crush you. And I do feel like for the bride of Christ, um, God is about to pour out an immense amount of his glory. But if we do not deal with the pain inside of us, that glory that we are desperately seeking will crush us. I, I, God cares about the condition of your heart, just like I care about the condition of my wife's heart. Because the condition of my wife's heart affects our marriage, our household, right? And vice versa. And, and God, as, as Jesus, when he was preparing a place, when the Father was preparing a place in heaven, Jesus on earth was also attempting to prepare a place in our hearts for him to dwell. So why, if, if Jesus right now dwells in our hearts, why would he not care about the place that he dwells in? Amen? And that we have to reconcile this thing of God is just not a spirit being, so that means he only cares about my spirit. God actually dwells in my heart, which means the place in which he dwells, what kind of place am I giving him to land in? He cares about the body of Christ because you are his bride, and he cares about the heart of his bride. Amen? So let's pray because it's going to get real in here. <laughs> but this is what it's for. This is what the church is for. Is that I'm, I'm not coming to bring a message that I've never experienced, that I have never walked through. That I, even, even everything I'm, gonna, I'm saying, this is what I told the kids. Everything I say to you, I am not excluded from. And I think it's important just to know that you're not getting talked to. We, this is a family discussion. This is a, we are a body of people and we need to deal with this. Because right now, as much as I am encouraged what's happening in the next generation, if we as parents um, and as leaders and as the body do not get it together, <laughs> that is what we are giving and providing a space for our children to dwell in is that if, uh, as, as leaders, if we are ignoring the sorrow in our own hearts, well then who, and I'm going to walk you through it in Scripture, of what sorrow does to us. And, and as, as I talk, I, I do believe the Holy Spirit is going to start revealing areas in your household, in your own life, where sorrow has begun to present itself. Um, but I, I, I felt a word when we were in worship um, that this, the valley, I, I saw the Lord taking 
um, the valley, and it, it looked like a graveyard. And I just began to see flowers begin to spring up in the valley. And I, I, I really felt like what, what once was an empty graveyard, God is filling with life again. And I really felt like it was like this thing of like, it, he does not want his body to be walking zombies. People who know how to pray and worship and speak in tongues, but have sorrow in their hearts. Because when the glory of God comes, it will crush us if we are not prepared places for him to dwell. Amen? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Would you help us? But Jesus, really, we ask um, for a revelation of your broken body and your blood today. God, we ask for a revelation that you want to commune with us, heart to heart, spirit to spirit, and Holy Spirit, we just pray over every family right now that you would, you would begin to cover their minds, you would begin to cover their hearts, and you would cover the family and the body of Christ. But Holy Spirit, we also ask that you would wake us up from our slumber, that you would wake us up from our heart sickness, that hearts would be healed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, turn to Luke 22. And then you're just going to park it, okay? It's so like, get the car ready and then park it. Um, how many of you guys have ever, maybe before you had kids, maybe while, if you don't have kids, this all still includes you, um, but how many of you guys, for your life, you thought you were going somewhere, yeah? You had an expectation, a joyful one, um, a God-filled one, yeah? A, an expectation of where your life was going. And then, somehow, you ended up over here. <laughs> Anyone experience that, or just me? Listen, in my life, um, I moved to Reading in 2014. I was a 18-year-old, full of zeal. <laughs> me and Chris, have been talking about this. I've been full of zeal, and I'm like, I am gonna take on the world. I'm going to do BSSM, I'm going to become a revivalist, and at 21 years old, I am going to change the world, and no one will stop me. <laughs> and then at 21 years old, no one was offering me jobs. <laughs> there was no word of direction over my life of where to go, and all I had was all my zeal and all my hopes and expectations for my life. And luckily, I had leaders in my life that told me, hey, you think you're going over here? This is where you're at right here. <laughs> and I had, I, it humbled me to realize the place I was in. But something that I also experienced for years was the gap. I experienced that gap. Like in Proverbs, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So my heart was set on that joyful expectation of my life. And when my life ended up here, there was a gap. And that gap, what's filled in that gap, if we do not reconcile the gap, is sorrow. It's sickness. Our hearts become sick and sorrowful. So for years, I lived in Reading, fully faithful to the Lord, in ministry, working on myself, but not reconciling that gap. 
I, 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 I did this thing where um, sometimes when we have the gap in our hearts and we don't know how to reconcile it, uh, what we do is we, instead of filling it and closing the gap, we cover it with spiritual rhetoric. <laughs> and so what I did was I began to live my life um, with just like, well, it's just not the season. No, but not knowing that I had questions, you know? I had, I had these things of like, God, why? Like, why did I think that? But I'm here, and why is there a gap? Instead, I was just like, oh, it's just not the season. It's fine. And I started to use, and I lived my life in this like spiritual routine with spiritual rhetoric with the DNA of a grace-filled supernatural culture, so it felt really good. Not knowing that I'm walking around with a sick heart because I was let down. That I had experienced disappointment in my life that instead of dealing with, I covered it. And I was just like, it's fine. Listen, I, let's not just look at my life, though. The disciples experienced the same thing right before Jesus departed. That actually, in, 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 if you read John 14, 15, and 16, in John 14, Thomas asks, where are you going? Right? And then we read along, and then in John 16, Jesus says to the disciples, none of you asked where I'm going. And then you're like, wait, Thomas literally just asked you where you were going. And you like said some ethereal, like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you know what I mean? And then, so here's the disciples, like, confused. Because they, after walking with Jesus for three years, had a whole expectation for their lives with him. They were like, I'm following you until the end of my life, to the end of your life, not knowing that the end of your life was in three years. Right? So here are the disciples not knowing how to reconcile the gap. And actually, in John 16, it says, Jesus says, because none of you asked where I'm going and all of you are confused, I'm paraphrasing, sorrow has entered your heart. And if you read along, they don't deal with the sorrow. <laughs> he just keeps talking. And the disciples are there, and then they get even more confused because Jesus says, uh, in a little while you will see me, in a little while you won't see me. And then they all are like, in a little while? And they turn to each other. In a little while, they will see him. But a, we won't see him. But we will see him. But we won't. And Jesus is like standing there like, why are you discussing amongst yourselves? None of you are asking me what's going on. Because what happens is when sorrow enters our heart, we start to just look for answers elsewhere. We start to just fill the gaps with everything else other than the one who could have just dealt with the sorrow himself. Because actually, if you really read it, they, their expectation and where God said it was going caused the sorrow. Jesus literally says, because I say this to you, sorrow enters your heart. Because I'm saying something different than what you expected, here's sorrow. And so what happens is, now turn to Luke 22. In Luke 22, verse 40, now we're in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Now, this is obviously, we all, most of us probably know the story, right? We, Jesus goes to pray. It's really intense. He's wrestling with the will of God. Blood, sweat. You know, Peter acting crazy, chopping ears off. But listen, let's read. In verse 40, Luke 22. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now Jesus, Jesus knows sorrow is in their heart. He knows. He knows what's going on in them. He knows all of you are confused. You're all in disarray because I just hit you with the biggest bomb that I'm dying. <laughs> that your life is no longer going to look like what you thought it was going to look like. Now, if you jump to verse 45, so obviously, verse 40, he says, pray, you don't go into temptation. Now, he goes away, it says he kneels down and prays, and he wrestles with the Father, right? And in verse 45, it says, when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. So that sorrow that entered their heart earlier in John 16 in John's account. From the confusion of what is going on, where are you going, what's happening? Now we read in Luke 22, that same sorrow put them to sleep. And I fully believe that when Jesus looked at them and said, hey, pray you don't fall into temptation. I don't think it was like, pray you don't fall into sexual temptation or this other temptation. It was, hey, sorrow is in your heart and sorrow will cause you to sleep. Pray that you do not fall asleep from your sorrow. And what happens? They don't pray. <laughs> they fall asleep from sorrow. Then what happens? Roman soldiers come. And here's Peter, the hero of the cause, that says, Jesus, because I had an expectation that I am laying my life down for you and for this cause, he goes, wields his sword, shloom, goes, out, goes the ear, right? I think Peter was with the right people, had the right motive of protecting the cause, but his response was out of quick anger, because sorrow was in his heart. And what sorrow does is it actually, no matter, what, no matter what our pure intent is, if sorrow is in our heart, we will act from that place. Because the wellspring of life flows from that place where sorrow is now resting. So listen, in James, let's, let's look. Because James, James is a great picture. James 1 is a great picture of Peter's response. Because it says this, in James 1.19, it says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. I fully believe in my life I've seen it. When sorrow is in my heart because of disappointment that I've felt, all of a sudden, if I'm not careful and I don't deal with it, in one area of life, in a church setting, because I know the motions, I know the rhetoric, 
I, I want, I want to fulfill. I will sometimes this. What I tried to do for years was because I thought my life was here and my life was here and there was a gap, I thought, how can I bring that over there in here? Not actually asking God what I'm supposed to do here, but I'm like, well, if I can't get there, I'm just gonna do it here. And so it, it's an act, right? So then we start acting. And then we're like, so I began to just like, add spiritual rhetoric and spiritual language and like all these things to my life where then I'm like trying to act out the place where I thought I was gonna go and here, but what happened was because I, could, I didn't reconcile the thing in my heart, in one setting, I'm like, I'm anointed. And then behind this thing of be slow to anger was not in my life. <laughs> it was a little bit more quick to anger. And so what happens is, when we have sorrow in our hearts, I believe as, as parents, we're a little bit more quick with our kids. We don't listen as often as we should. We, anger starts to fill because what's happening? Because we're sick. It's the side effects of sickness. It's anger. It's, it's hiding. It's because hope deferred made our hearts sick. Because my expectation for my life, my family, my ministry, it didn't work out. And, and sorrow has now entered my heart. And so instead of reconciling the sorrow in my heart, I'll take it out on my kids. Or I'll ignore my kids and try to accomplish the thing that I felt like I missed out on. It's really silent in here. <laughs> It's very silent in here. <laughs> it's what happens. I, how, raise your hand if you've experienced disappointment in your life. I'll raise all of my body parts. <laughs> like jump. <laughs> you know? We all have. What ha but no one is, sometimes we not, we're not told it's causing gaps in our heart. And when there are gaps in our heart, sickness happens, and sickness causes sorrow. And that sorrow, listen, like I said, I was encouraged this weekend, but very sobered. In a way of this, very sobered in the way that there is a generation that is here. It's not coming. It is here. And they need people who live a James 1, slow to speak, a quick to hear, and a, a slow to anger. And actually, when your kids start acting out, start making bad decisions, what is our response? Is it to actually just sit and listen and just go, oh, I love you so much. I'm not mad at you. I'm not even disappointed in you. I just love you. But what happens if, if we have sorrow in our heart, it, it messes with us in a way that we don't even know that we're doing it. Listen, people in my life, I used to be mean. Felipe is my best friend on the front row. He can tell you. <laughs> I, not like sharp, not like correcting, mean. Like, 
I'll be honest, you know, I've dealt with it. I've dealt with the sorrow in my heart. I've had to reconcile that gap. But the gap caused me to be mean, but I was so blind to it. You know? I don't want, I don't want a body to be so full of sorrow and we're walking zombies, and, but we're so terrifying that no one wants to tell us how we're acting. No one wants to tell us about the sorrow in our hearts. People tried. I would just be mean to them. <laughs> Flip my big bro, and I'm like, no, shut up. You're stupid. I'm fine. I am okay. Okay. But it took me getting really honest and really real. Listen, I talked about this a lot with, with your students. Of we have, it's like, it's the first John. Walk in the light as he is in the light and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Listen, we cannot stamp, though, righteousness over our sorrow and be like, well, I don't have unrighteousness. Walking in sorrow is walking in unrighteousness. Because if, if sorrow affects this James 1, it says, anger does not achieve the righteousness of man. So if it does not achieve righteousness, it's unrighteous. <laughs> you know? It's, we got to get real because God's glory is coming. Who wants it? Amazing. All of you have now raised your hand to dedicate to dealing with the things in your heart. Welcome to the team. <laughs> We've got to deal with it. We've got to deal with that 20-year pain that you've been holding on to. Where you really thought something was going to go on. Listen, uh, some of you had kids and you thought your kids were going to be a certain way. And then life happens. And kids are kids. And people make choices. You know? And as a parent, we often, we don't realize that there's a gap there. That we have to reconcile. We just kind of like, we move around it, you know, we kind of, there's no gap, my family's fine, we'll figure it out. Like, I think we have to figure it out first before we figure it out in the others around us. You know, like as a body, we are supposed to, meant, we're meant to, and for fellowship, communion with one another and discipleship. Well, listen, I can only take people where I, I've been, or at least where I'm going. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fake it. Like, if I, I, I did it for years. I was, I've been a part of youth ministry for about seven years now, and for the first couple years, because I had sorrow in my heart, I didn't want any student to talk to me about what's going on in their heart. I'm like, let's have fun. Why? Because... Because I would sit in front of kids as they're telling me things, and I'd be like, oh, my God, you're me. But, like, you're me right now, <laughs> and I don't know how to help you. So what I would have to do is fake it. Woo! Because we learn language, and we learn spiritual rhetoric that covers our sorrow. But what we're doing is we're, we're talking without power. And then, and then we have that deep, like, thought in the back of our head, like, why does no one I speak to get transformed? <laughs> are you speaking with no power? Meaning, are you saying things that are the right answer, but you actually haven't dealt with it in your heart? 
It's, I told our kids, it doesn't even have to be the biggest thing. It's the small things. It's the small disappointments that cause a little sickness. If hope deferred makes the heart sick and God lives in my heart, why would I give him a nasty place to live? You can paint the outside of your house all you want. You got roaches, they live inside. <laughs> they don't live on the outside walls. So paint those walls, redo your gutters, do your lawn all you want. But if you need to replace the flooring, eventually someone's gonna get a little splinter on your flooring or that water damage is gonna get to mold. We have to deal with the things with inside, not just cover it with the things outside. Listen, you can go on and start ministries of thousands of people, and if you have sorrow in your heart, God bless the people that follow you. <laughs> because it, only, it, it will only lead one place. Think about it. Think about Peter. Peter had to get restored back to Jesus. That sorrow entered his heart, and he allowed that sorrow to not be reconciled ever until Jesus, they meet, and they have to be restored. And then, Peter, the rock on which I'll build my church. So God's plan for you is accurate. But, Peter got the word after the reconciliation. After everything was reconciled inside of him. Amen. Amen. So how do we close the gap? Because listen, the Bible is, the Bible is very clear about the promises of God over your life. And, and in Psalms, Psalm 16, it says, in his presence there's fullness of joy. Which means, if, if I'm reading that, if I have sorrow, then where do I find joy in his presence? Listen, Jesus, did you know, some, there's many studies on how Jesus died. If you sum it all up, Jesus died of a broken heart. His heart stopped. I think, but listen, Jesus does not die without intention. Even Christ dies with very much intention that if Jesus died of a broken heart and his death was to represent taking on everything so that when he would resurrect, that would be nailed to the cross, then I, I fully believe your broken heart can be healed by the resurrection of Jesus. That in communion, if we find in communion, in his broken body and in his blood, we find wholeness. That's not just wholeness for your spirit, it's not just for your heart and your mind to, like, it's for the sorrow to be wiped away and that you actually would get into the presence of God, like Psalm 16 says, and be in fullness of joy. It's a promise. Psalms 23, he leads me beside the still water and he restores my soul. It's the reconciliation of our soul and our sorrow found in the person Jesus. And here's the next step. So God has to restore our, our hearts. And then we must be restored back to one another. Because we are a body. 
and a broken body does not operate well. So it's actually not enough for you to come to the altar, get your sorrow restored, but then leave everyone that your sorrow destroyed in the wake. That we must have Jesus restore our hearts and then come back and actually reconcile with those who we were not quick to listen and, you know, slow to speak and slow to anger. Like, we have to actually, it's, it's parents, it's humbling, I, I, I bet, to go back to your kids and say, kids, I repent. <laughs> I met with God and I found fullness of joy. But before I found fullness of joy, I had sorrow. And that sorrow ignored you. And I'm sorry. It's very humbling for us to go to a pastor and say, Pastor, I, I left your church and I blamed you. But I left because I had sorrow in my heart. <laughs> sorrow makes us blame everyone else but ourselves. So it's time for us to reconcile back together as a body. First, we must reconcile to the Father through the blood of Jesus. Then we must reconcile together. Because listen, he's coming back for a bride, not an individual. <laughs> I fully believe it. He's coming back for a unified church. One full of life. One that would live the Psalms 16, that we'd be in his presence and we would have fullness of joy. That he's looking for a smiling bride, fully unified, fully connected, with full hearts that his son has dwelt in. It's hard work, though. <laughs> Let's, let, me, let me not lie to you. This is hard work. This is humbling work. I went through a humbling journey of reconciling the sorrow in my heart. Still am. <laughs> Still doing it. Because I don't want gaps. <laughs> I don't, I wanna, I wanna be Peter after the restoration. <laughs> I don't wanna have sorrow in my heart and be a zombie. <laughs> I don't. And I don't want that for you. But it's going to take brutal honesty to go, God, search my heart. If there's sorrow in me, reveal it and restore me, God. Because sorrow makes you sleep. Some of you are asleep. <laughs> maybe not spiritually, maybe spiritually. But you're asleep. You may be alive on a Sunday morning, but when you go home, you are a zombie to your family. That is sorrow causing you to sleep. And it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. So let's stand. Sorry, I know I just like fire hosed you. Thank you. Listen, just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts? 
And Holy Spirit, if there are if there's places of sorrow in our hearts, would you lead us to Jesus? The one who restores our hearts. God, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your resurrection life, God. That we may find fullness of joy in your presence. That we may trade our sorrows. Listen, sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, good morning. Good morning. It's time to wake up. Good morning. You've been asleep with sorrow at night, but it's the morning time. It's time to wake up. Good morning. (laughs) Fullness of joy is here. Search us, God. Wash us through and through. Search us, O God. Cleanse our hearts. I just, right now, I, I feel, I feel just a wave of repentance. We must repent from living our lives out of sorrow, from living our lives asleep. And so right now, if you have sorrow in your heart, I just want you to turn to the Lord and just say, God, just put your hand on your heart. Just say, God, I repent from being asleep. Would you wake me up with your resurrection life? Would you come and fill the gap where I've let sorrow take up space? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come down right up front. Listen, because we are a body because we are a church strength in the church comes from um, us doing life together and I have I have our students paired with some leaders and I just I want to open up the altar for us to trade our sorrow for joy I, I even listen I am I have fought in my life um, to live first John and I'm still fighting in my life to live first John to walk in the light as he is in the light that we would have fellowship with one another and with him and that he would cleanse us if we, if we confess with our mouth he would cleanse us and I feel like some of you you need to confess <laughs> it's scary right it is. Especially if you're a part of this church and you go to someone who is on the ministry team of this church. It's, it's vulnerable. But as a body, that's how we must live. Open in the light. Vulnerable with one another. That is discipleship. Jesus, Jesus saw everything of the disciples. Read the Gospels. He called them stupid so many times. In a way. <laughs> We're not here to call you stupid, but we're here to actually reconcile and actually get right together. 
life on life. And some of you, you need to come to the altar and you need to confess, I've ignored my kids for two years because I feel numb. That's the scariest one right there. (laughs) That feels like it. Or some of you just need to say, like, I've been in a marriage where I, I don't feel connected and I've let sorrow, I've let disappointment in my marriage cause me to fall asleep. And I'm ready to wake up and let people pray with you and let people lead you to the water that restores your soul, that we trade our sorrow for fullness of joy this morning. And then after you come to the altar for prayer, some of you need to go to your spouses, to your kids, and say, I repent for allowing sorrow to put me to sleep. That maybe I haven't been as attentive to you in the last two years that I, I was in the first 20 years of our marriage. I've fallen asleep. I've let sorrow creep in. This is the bride of Christ. This is what he's coming back for. A unified, whole, alive, awake bride. He's not coming back for Sleeping Beauty. He is not the Prince Charming going to ride in and kiss you awake. He is looking for an awake bride. And I fully believe he will walk past slumbering people. Because if we choose to live our lives asleep, then we will not reconcile and actually be one with him. So it's time to wake up. So right now, before we dismiss, um, if that's you, if you're like, I, I need to reconcile something in my life. I need to trade sorrow. I just want you to come forward. Listen, we do this with youth all the time. We're not going to like turn, dim the lights and everyone look away. It, it needs to, this is, the, this is the body of Christ. We cannot be ashamed of getting right with God. So if you need prayer, come down. If someone's taken, wait in line. We're here. This is what we're here for. And then we're going to move into a time of ministry. If you need healing in your body, if you just need prayer for anything, when we're done, just come find us. We would love to pray for you. Amen. I love you so much. I'm so grateful to be here, honestly. Thank you, Pastor Tim, Pastor Lynn and Renee. I, I love you guys so much. Seriously. But let's do this together. Amen.